Hey, I'm Taylor Dorson, and this is the Professional Technical Interviewee. Technical interviews are hard, and every company does them differently. On this show, I interview engineering leaders to see what they look for in technical candidates, and then they perform a real technical interview with me. I hope you enjoy. Great. Becca, how are you? Thanks so much for, for being on the show. Good. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, excited to, to talk. Um, so guest today is Becca Bailey, currently an engineering manager at Formidable. Uh, you also worked at a number of Chicagoland companies in the past. Um, and I think a, a dev bootcamp graduate um, from back in the mm-hmm. day. Um, so another kind of career changer. Um, anything else I missed? Anything I, I should have included? Ah, no, that's about it. Cool. Great. Can you share a little bit about um, your company and kind of what your team looks like right now? Yeah, so I work at Formidable, as you said. Um, Formidable is a consulting company, and we work primarily in JavaScript and React, but we also have some full-stack engineers and some cloud services and a few other various things that we do. Um, I am working both as a front-end React engineer and also as an engineering manager. So um, I've managed a lot of different teams over the years, but Um, The one that I am working with right now is a small team. We are working at a large e-commerce company, and we are working on some performance improvements for their product page. So I currently lead a team. I have three reports, since two of them are on my team at the moment, and we are um, embedded within a team at our clients and we are doing a lot of work like going through performance reports and refactoring and making improvements and making plans for the future that are that allow them to have better just better code and better performance yeah that's really cool i i sometimes i think of consulting as like oh we need someone to build this project right or like build out this this new um uh, product for us, but I, I don't think about it a lot in the terms of like, okay, we have something that works, but we need it to work better, right? Like, yeah. like actually, like it's you know maybe it's older, or it's slow, and it's just not doing what it needs to anymore. That's that's cool coming in and like being able to be the you know optimizers, the hit squad. That's fun. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I would say, yeah, my consulting projects have been a combination of the two. Sometimes it is like build us a new thing, but. More often, I think Formidable tends to be really specialized in like, how do we make this better? So I really enjoy those projects a lot. Nice. That's cool. I I probably, well, I'd be scared to go back and look at my own code in the past and be like, <laughs> what, what would this, uh, this should be optimized. <laughs> yeah. Uh, can you share a little bit about your pathway into technology? How you got into tech? Yeah. So... I have a degree in music education and I graduated during the recession when teaching jobs were really hard to come by. I spent about five years bouncing around between different schools and nonprofits and I worked overseas for a year as a music and drama teacher. I've taught arts, I've done a lot of different things, Um, but then It just came to the point where I had like 17 different jobs on my resume and I couldn't pay off my student loans and I needed to do something different. So 
while I was working overseas, actually, I had a blog and I was writing a lot and I was self-hosting it and doing a lot of technical work on that blog. And then other people started to asking me for my technical support on their blogs. And I kind of became the technical support person. And that led me to want to learn how to do it. So I learned WordPress, I learned JavaScript, CSS, and um. I just went from there. I came back to the States, went to Dev Bootcamp because I saw that there were a lot of job openings and there was a lot, there was a really great pipeline of like trying to get new people into the industry as opposed to a lot of other industries at the time, which were very like, oh, you don't have a master's degree. No, we don't want yeah, you. Sure. So I was looking around and I was like, well, tech it is. They they seem to want me there as opposed to some of the other some of the other experiences I had had, so that was how I got here. That's really cool. I, I love that story, and it's like you had an interest, and then being able to like develop that, and then I I often think of like boot camps as almost like accelerators, right? Like you might have mm-hmm. been able to do it um, over an extended period of time, but the boot camp kind of helps you do it a little faster, right? Yeah, and like actually yeah. jump right into a job. Um, exactly. That's really cool. I so I, for a while I worked at a coding bootcamp as like the director of outcomes, helping people get their first job. And it was really interesting. The people that seemed to get um, jobs the fastest, other than someone who like you know their uncle or their parent worked in tech already, like kind of got them in the side door, um, was people who came from education backgrounds or people who had like mm-hmm. music backgrounds. It was really funny. Mm-hmm. So you have like both of those, uh, which is funny. Yeah, interesting. Uh, as far as your first job, so how did that that um, transition into tech. Obviously, you had the the blog, you mm-hmm. the skills from going to the boot camp. How did you end up in your your first tech job? Yeah, so that's actually a little bit of an interesting story. I actually went into Dev Boot Camp and then came out of it knowing exactly where I wanted to work, and got pretty lucky in that in that that actually panned out. So. Before I went to boot camp, I had met some people who worked at Eighth Light, which is a consult another consulting company in Chicago, and they have an apprenticeship program. Mm. So their apprenticeship program actually helps career changers and people coming from outside of tech to get that experience and learn and transition into a consulting role at Eighth Light. And having met people, gone to meetups there, I was like, that, yeah, that's exactly what I want. I want that learning experience. I want to be at a place that's really welcoming to people from outside of tech. So I, yeah, I went through boot camp. I applied. It was a really long application process. It sure. took probably <laughs> two months to get all the way through it because there were multiple rounds of pairing and coding challenges. And I, learns to write an AI algorithm. And like, there was just a lot of stuff that I learned in that process in order to get there. And during that time, I I was like applying elsewhere just, mm-hmm. just because, but I was pretty targeted in, in, in exactly where I wanted to work. And in that case, it worked out. That's, that's really cool. Uh, yeah. Eighth Light um, is, is probably one of the better examples of like a, a really strong apprenticeship program in, in Chicago. And then from I don't know if it's Light specifically, but Anova around the same time and a handful of other companies kind of spun up these like apprenticeship programs that I think mm-hmm. um, worked out really well for for companies that, you know, it's obviously an investment, but I think it mm-hmm. paid off really well for them. And a lot of the 
those companies now have like this great pipeline of folks that are are um, kind of career changers because now they have managers that are in those roles, right? Who don't mm-hmm. have maybe a like the same stigma or bias um, towards or against uh, uh, career changers that some other mm-hmm. companies might have, right? So yeah, that's really yeah. cool. Uh, and and how'd you get connected with Formidable? most recent role? Um, yeah. So that's another good question. Um, while I was working at Eighth Light as a consultant there, I just started becoming a little bit curious about like what other consulting companies were doing. How do they manage their client engagements? What else is out there? And I wasn't necessarily thinking in terms of job searching at, at first. I was more just thinking in terms of like, how do we make where I am better? And what are the other alternatives so that's when I first found Formidable. Um, and at the time, they were very localized in Seattle, but they were focused sp- specifically on JavaScript and React. And that was my area of expertise. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. They're a small, or they're another like small consulting company. They do a lot of JavaScript. They are really active in the open source community. So I, basically kind of started taking an interest in them just as like a, I'm, I, I want to know more. Um, I started doing some LinkedIn stalking, reaching out to people, having chats about what it's like, what the company does. And then um, fast forward like a year, a year and a half, I started working at a startup, left that startup pretty quickly and needed a new place to work. And then at that point, I just submitted an application to Formidable and they were like, hey, you want to come work here? Because you have consulting experience and we kind of know you. And it just, I needed a job and I needed one fast and it just happens to work out that way. That's awesome. I, I love the idea of like building connections at not for the sake of like, I want to go work here in the future, but for the sake of like, this is a company that's interesting to me. These people do interesting work. Like, let's get to know mm-hmm. them a little bit. And yeah, it might just work out well if if you need a job and they have an open role for that skill set, right? Yeah. And it seems yeah, so exactly. much more targeted than like, I don't know, if you if you need something, you need something, right? So sometimes you just like, apply to everything, right? And figure it out <laughs> to see what you get. Um, but it feels so much more organic and and I feel like the interviews are more enjoyable when you're like, I'm actually excited about this instead of like, I heard about mm. it 30 minutes ago from the recruiter. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think I'm a little bit of an outlier in that most of my job searching has been fairly targeted and it's worked mm. out so far. But I, I know that that then limits some opportunities to discover sure. what else is out there. Yeah, I tell people early in their career, like, keep a list, just a list of companies you're interested in, right? Of like, oh, I, I've seen 8th Light does, um, does consulting and they do it in an interesting way. Like put that on the list, right? And then at least, you know, maybe you've only find one of those every couple months, but you keep that list. And then when you go to look for your next job, you're like, okay, well, I got 12 companies, maybe that I'm interested mm-hmm. in, right? I might as well see what's going on at those companies. And if they have open roles, at least that's a start mm-hmm. from like the, oh no, I got to start from scratch and <laughs> just start yeah. applying. And then there are like 500 job postings on LinkedIn and I have to figure out which ones are... Yeah. Are are things that are interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah. Dodge the recruiting companies that have a hundred roles post. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lots of fun. Uh, so as a manager and like a, a hands-on engineer, what part of the interview process are you typically handling? Is it kind of both sides, kind of any any um section that you need to, or is, what is your role in the interview process right now? 
Yeah, um, I am an interviewer. Um, the way that Formidable does it is we actually just have a rotation where nice. we where we just go through the whole list of people. And when your name comes up, you are called upon to do an interview. And different people do different parts of the interviews. I've done the team skills interview, which is just our like cultural, do you, are you, are you a good cultural addition to our teams? Um, the technical interview for front-end engineers. And then we have like a live coding interview for front-end engineers too. And I've done all three of those. Nice. Uh, what are you typically, I guess it's probably different depending on what your, your, your role is, but what are you typically evaluating for when you're, you're doing those interviews? Yeah. Um, well, it depends on the interview, but I can tell you that for the team skills interview, we're really looking for communication skills, um, which I know everyone is, but some specific things that we're looking for are, are you able to have hard or uncomfortable conversations? Do you have examples of when a client or your company came to you and said, we want to build this feature and to build it fast and you have to push back or say, actually, we need to reevaluate this scope or our engineers are burning out and we can't do it. Let's come back to the table and figure out how to make this better. So we're looking for the ability to have those kinds of conversations. Um, we're looking for someone who is not set in in one particular mindset. Um, we ask a lot of questions around like, have you have you changed your mind and mm. what sort of, and like, when did that, how did that happen? Um, we also ask things like, tell us about your successes. Tell us if, when you made a mistake and how you fixed it. So we have a lot of different questions that we ask as a part of that interview. But like I said, the ones I pay attention to the most are, are you able to have hard conversations? Are you able to admit when you have when you need to when you need to change your mind or when you've made a mistake? Because that really shows a lot about your your um, your ability to work on a team. And mm. um, it is interesting the different range of responses that we get because I know that those questions do make some people uncomfortable, which is why. I've definitely interviewed a few people that kind of dodge them and say, oh, well, I don't, I, I've never made a mistake, but if I did, I would do X, Y, and Z. Um, yeah. And, I do, go ahead. Oh um, yes. Go ahead. Sorry. I, I do some interview coaching and I ask similar questions about like, tell me a time you've had a disagreement or something with the coworker. And it is kind of funny when someone goes, it's never happened to me. <laughs> and I go, never. <laughs> you never, never had a disagreement? <laughs> You've been in the industry for five years. <laughs> You've never had a disagreement. Yeah. I'm having a hard time believing that. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's always fun. So, are, are, as engineers at Formidable, are you um, interacting with clients directly? So, you, so you have to have kind of that skill set as well? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're all working like right now, my whole team is just embedded in our client team. So we're all just working alongside other engineers and managers and um, stakeholders all the time. Nice. Um, and sometimes that changes. Occasionally we'll have more of an independent, like we're just working on this on our own and like maybe only the team lead will have more back and forth around scope or requirements. Yeah. But the most common cases us working with the client every day. Yeah. Are there other things you're evaluating for or looking for in the more technical pieces or is it, I mean, 
communication obviously huge and, and matters on the technical side and, and kind of more um, general, but there are other things you're looking for? Yeah. So we typically look at, I can tell you about the front end skill set, which is we look for some JavaScript basic knowledge. Um, we often ask questions just around JavaScript and how, and like various syntax. Um, we do expect some amount of React proficiency, at least for front end roles um, that might be changing eventually. We're considering broadening that a little bit, but we look for some front end proficiency that is both like, can you talk about how it works? Can you talk about how React rendering works or how, um, or like how you would add accessible things? Or like, yeah, sorry, I hope you're editing. Um, but can you talk about um, React and also can you do a pretty simple coding challenge and talk mm -hmm. us through your thought process as you're doing that? Yeah, yeah. That's great. And you mentioned um, kind of the different kind of seats that, that you've um, held as the interviewer. Can you just walk me through the process? So it sounds like there's a kind of a phone screen or some type of resume at the beginning, and then it moves into a tech, you know, better than I. Could you walk us through that? Yeah. So we have a phone screen in the beginning, like you said, typically that's handled by our recruiter. And then from there, it gets passed on and we do a, um, I believe the live coding interview is first. Mm -hmm. So we have a, like a 30 minute live coding exercise where we'll just do some pairing on a React problem. From there, we move on to the final interview stage, which is both the team skills interview and the technical deep dive interview. Great. Uh, so shifting the the conversation a little bit um when you've been an interviewee in the past how do you feel that you've done in interviews you feel like you nailed all of them or you know you hate them somewhere in between oh man um <laughs> i it depends so when i was interviewing at for individual contributor like roles i was generally doing okay because I have the communication skills. I am generally okay at like live coding type things. Algorithms are fine. The area that I've always struggled, which I'll get into a little bit more later, is like the design questions, mm. the system design, the big picture, how do you build this thing? Yeah. And I think that's partially because as a front-end engineer or as a consultant, I'm often looking at like a little tiny part of the picture mm. and thinking about that bigger picture and having it be really open-ended and not specific constraints, which is just something that I've never experienced, not having like really serious constraints on how many people or how big this system can be. That's really hard for me. And I think that's the area that I've struggled the most. Yeah. Um, I will also go out on a limb and say that I've had a little bit of recent experience interviewing for like management roles. And I find mm -hmm. that there are a lot of qualifications for managers. I think companies really prefer to promote from within. Mm. And then when you're interviewing for that role, they really want you to have 
very specific experience that is catered specifically to their kind of product, their kind of process, their team structure, their team size. So it's just hard. It's hard to make my specific experience general enough to fit in a different context and and make it seem like like my skills can apply elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. I I was probably the later half of my recruiting career, uh, I was mostly working with engineering leaders like manager or, or at least lead through manager VP CTO level roles. It was always really interesting to see like it's not a one size fits all thing, right? It's it almost as as much as how like a Java engineer isn't necessarily going to be a good fit for a JavaScript role, right? Like mm-hmm. it's it's almost that different, right? Of like just because yeah. you have that title, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to sit in. I think most people could probably make it work in that role, right? But what are they actually mm-hmm. looking for in that role, yeah. right? And and uh, yeah, getting the experience to do that. If you don't have it, you don't have it, right? It's mm-hmm. it's kind of tough. It was yeah. constantly kind of a struggle was saying, okay, what do you want? What do you actually need this person to do, right? Do you need someone to manage mm-hmm. people? Do you need someone who actually knows how logistics works? Right? Like, Can yes. you teach them that if they know how to manage people? So it's, um, I think, almost more difficult finding the right place as a manager because mm-hmm. you have all the questions of like okay is this a hands-on position or hands-off position or some combination so you might still get technicals um, which is its own whole thing but then also mm-hmm. you got all these other kind of side side things so yeah I, yeah definitely i don't envy you it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't sound <laughs> sound super fun but i guess when it, yeah. when it works out when you find the right fit it's really really exciting right yeah yeah it when it does I, i'm it's probably good to find that good fit on both sides. Yeah. It's just a little challenging as an interviewer to figure out, okay, what are the things that I can control? What are the areas where Mm. I can grow? How do I tell this story better? And then what are the things that I can't control? Because there's a lot of things that if I haven't done this in the past, I can't control that. And maybe that's just not a great fit for me in that case. Do you have any type of system you use? Like, let's say you're in a technical interview, technical interview in the past, um, where someone says, "Great, here's this question," right? And you go, mm-hmm. "Okay, I don't." It's not an immediate solution. It's not like, "Oh, I've seen this before." It's just buzz. It's easy, mm-hmm. right? Um, and you have to like figure out, okay, what do I do from here? Like, how do I break this question down? Do you have any system mm-hmm. you use? Um, I wouldn't say I have a system, but I tend to ask follow up questions mm-hmm. when I can because. In a real world scenario, when someone gives you like, says, hey, I want you to build this e-commerce app for me. My follow-up question, you know, I've got a ton of follow-up questions around, well, how many users are you trying to reach out to? What sort of products are you selling? What is the team size? How many people can we use to build this thing? Do we have different specialties? So I try as much as I can to get that clarity and to get that specificity because mm-hmm. otherwise, like in a in a vacuum, if I can do anything, sure, I'm going to hire a thousand engineers at Google and they're going to build it in three days and it's going to have a bunch of microservices and like, yeah, but without parameters, it's hard for me to understand how to answer that question. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And I, it almost works against you if you do have like, oh, great, I got to, I know how I would do this, right? And you don't ask those questions, then you're halfway through and they go, 
oh, I didn't tell you our budget's, you know, a hundred grand. So you can only hire two junior, one and a half junior engineers or whatever it might yes. be. Now, right? um, <laughs> yeah, so exactly. It, like that could be tough. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any advice or tips for folks who are preparing for technical interviews? Um, yeah, I mean, I would say study up on basic algorithms, all of that basic stuff, study up on like, how do I parse a string? How do I go through an array? Like, I'll, I really, I, I have, I'm on the fence about that sort of stuff as an interviewer, but it's just what you need to do sometimes. Um, and also don't be afraid to ask those sorts of questions, to ask mm. for clarity, to ask, can I Google this? Because at least as when I'm in the interviewer seat, when I'm interviewing another person, I want to see how would you do this in the real world? And in the real world, I don't care if you, you if you have to Google it or look up documentation or if you aren't sure and you have to ask, how do I do this thing? That's just how your real life career works. Yeah. So I guess just think of it as close to a real life scenario as you can. Yeah, I found that mentally trying to think of it as like, I'm pairing with this person rather than like this person's interviewing me helps Mm -hmm. depends on how willing the interviewer is to like engage with you. Sometimes they're like, all I'm going to answer is yes or no. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. But the more conversational you can make it, like, I feel like it's so most interviewers, I think, enjoy that, right? Like, oh, we're actually like this communication. It's not you silently <laughs> coding for 20, 30 minutes and me just sitting here judging you, right? Mm-hmm. I think that helps, even if it's just a mental shift to try to make. Yeah. Um, do you have different advice or maybe additional advice for early career folks? Maybe this is their, they're coming right out of a, a career change or maybe this is their second job that they're looking for. Yeah. Um, trying to think about that for a sec. Um, yeah. I think what I would tell them is don't be afraid to say when you don't know something, Mm. because when you are early career, that's expected. And sometimes when I'm doing a technical interview and I ask a question, it's actually really helpful to know if that person knows it or not, as opposed Mm. to them like making up something and kind of going on a tangent. Because most of the time I'm using that question not just to decide yes or no, but to evaluate their level. Like Mm. if I do hire them, do I hire them at a level two or a level three? And I think that kind of feels scary as an early career person to not know the answer, but it's actually really helpful when I know what you know and what you don't know, because that would Mm. help me to place you in the right role. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a, Great piece of advice, especially early career. Like I probably the first five, 10 interviews I went on, I thought of this as like, it's all a learning experience, right? If I get an offer from this, this is great. But mm-hmm. you know, if someone asked me like, do you know what SQL injection is? Be, no. Can you explain that to me? Right. And like, if everything else went terribly in that interview and I didn't move forward, at least I learned like someone took whatever it is, a couple of minutes to explain that to me. Like, great. Now, next time someone asks, hopefully I, I know, right? Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, writing those things down too. And like, I think it's so easy to like brush off or try to brush off a bad interview. Like, I don't want to think about that anymore. But like trying to actually think of them as learning experiences rather than like a binary yes or no, like I'm going to get this job or I don't, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
And I've worked with a lot of interviewers that are very happy to go through that with you and say, oh, you don't know what an XOR operator is. Let me let me map that out and show you how that works. And then, yeah, like you said, I've learned something and we've gotten to have a dialogue, which yeah. can be really valuable. Can you, before we take a, a break here and then move into the, the technical portion, do you have any interviewing horror stories you're willing to share? People can go, okay, well, if Becca went through this and now she's a great uh, engineering manager and software developer, like I can, I can get through it too. Um, I don't know about horror stories. But I can tell you, like, when I interviewed to work at A-Flight, I was very, very nervous. I really, really wanted to work there. And I probably pushed myself a little too hard to learn too many things. Like, for example, when I did my first, like, on-site pairing exercise, the interviewer was using Vim. And so then I didn't know how to use Vim <laughs> So I went home and spent like the next three days teaching myself how to use Vim so that the next time I had to do a pairing exercise in Vim, which was like, apparently, a I don't know, at the time that was a normal thing. I don't know if it is anymore <laughs> or if that was just an eighth light thing. I don't know. But I really was like, okay, well, I guess real software engineers use Vim. So now I'm going to do it too. Wow. Um, same thing with like my coding challenge. We had to write a tic-tac-toe game and there was like this bonus part of it that not all interviewees did but where you could learn to write a minimax algorithm in order to actually write an ai player for your tic-tac-toe game and i as a brand new engineer was like losing sleep at night trying to learn how to write a minimax algorithm um i called my brother in tears he's a he was a computer science major and knows this kind of stuff and I just called him like I'm trying to be a software engineer and I can't even write a minimax algorithm what's wrong with me <laughs> and I just had this like insane expectation for myself and now looking back I'm like I would never expect a junior engineer to know all of that but I but yeah, it was that anxiety and that, mm. like, I have to know everything really got to me. Yeah, that's so hard, right? And, and it's also so hard to know what's important early on and what's not, right? Like, mm -hmm. did you need to know that that algorithm at that point? Eh, probably not, right? Like, nah. would it ever come up? Maybe, right? But it's it's so hard early on. Like, um, someone was telling me yesterday, like, some an interviewer asked me about mobile first and I realized I didn't know anything about mobile first design. So I spent the last week learning mobile first design and I was like, okay, like that is a thing. Like I'm going to say that's a bad thing to do, but there's probably other things you could do, right? Like I don't know if mobile first is going to come up in another interview, right? Like mm -hmm. probably other things to focus on, but it's so hard to know, right? Like you just yeah. don't know if, okay, is every single company going to ask me this or not? Right. And yes. that context is, is really tough. Yeah, definitely. Uh, cool. Well, let's take a break and then when we come back, we'll move into the technical. Thank you for watching the first half of the professional technical interviewee. The technical interview will be released one week from this episode. So be sure to subscribe to make sure you don't miss it. New episodes are released on the first four Thursdays of each month. Find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash or on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes. And remember, keep practicing.